Our scripture reading from, for this morning is from John chapter 11. I'll be reading from verse 1 to 44 and then verse 49 to 52. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, 
she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. But one of them, Cyphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. This is the word of the Lord. So it's my <clears throat> privilege to welcome Darren this morning, who's going to be bringing the word um, if you guys know Darren and the Pouts family, they're just gracious, loving people. And like they said in the first service, they serve everywhere. So if you've seen, you don't know Darren, you've probably seen him around in the kids' ministry building or in here. 
Um, but this morning, Darren, as one of our elders, gets to bring the word of God. And so I'm just thankful, Darren, you gave a good sermon this morning. It was his first sermon this morning. So, yeah, give him a round of applause. So this is his second sermon now. But, Darren, thank you for bringing the word. Come on up and give him another round of applause. I got it. Thank you, Grant. Man, so when I woke up this morning, I like, looked outside. I was like, man, it looks like a typhoon out there again, huh? I remember like, when we first seen our first typhoon, we, uh, I took Eden out to the front porch. Right? It was the backside, right? so the wind wasn't there. It was okay. It was safe, right? But I was like, Eden, let's do a weather report, and then let's send it to Grandpa and Grandma. So he's like, my name is Eden, and this is a typhoon. <laughs> it's like, it's super windy and super rainy. It's like the cutest thing like ever. It's the cutest thing ever. Um, so I hope you guys all have been encouraged as we've been going through here at the Gospel of John. I remember asking my grandpa what his favorite book of the Bible. My grandpa was a, a pastor for like 40 years or so. And he's like, without a doubt, it was the Gospel of John, without even hesitating at all. And I can truly understand why. Right? And, I'm, and I was 12 at this time, but later on I definitely understood why here. Because, because it truly shows who Jesus the Son of God is, right? And just not through his ministry here, but just from the beginning, right? If you look at John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Then you're like, think about like, all right, Genesis 1, 1, what was that? Like, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the Son of God was there from the beginning of the beginnings of the beginnings. The Son of God was there. And just putting that together, I thought it was just, that just like blew my mind of how awesome that was. So let's pray. And then we'll jump into chapter 11. Dear Lord God, loving, gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Even in the rain, Lord, we can praise your name. Lord, as we look into this text this morning, Lord, just prepare our hearts. Prepare our hearts just to understand your word. Lord, transform our mind to be able to just to submit to your will because, Lord, your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, please work through my through my weaknesses, through my, through my struggles, Lord, that your spirit, Lord, will work through me, that it's your words that are coming out, Lord, and not mine. In your holy, precious name, amen. All right, so here we are at John chapter 11. Does anybody remember when we started the series in John? No, no takers? A few months ago, that's right, yeah. So it's the end of August, right? And that was a time where we could like, go out to eat, Right, go travel, go do some fun things, and do all the fun things. Well, a lot of times, right, we think of our circumstances and how often, right, that then affects our attitudes. Right, so when our circumstances are really good, right, we're probably more joyful, we're happy, right, probably more motivated to go do things. But when it's the other way around, it's, right, we're a little sad, depressed. A lot of times, right, we isolate ourselves a little bit. Right, because our view of life is just always just in the moment, it's short sort of right, we don't see God's gift of grace. God's gift of grace. His true grace, and this affects our relationship with him. Jesus, our king, our hope, our giver of life, because Jesus is? Life. Yes, life. Jesus is life, which, right, which has been the main theme here for, for the gospel series here, for the gospel of John. All right, so for this sermon here, we are going to focus on the relationship here that are in the text, that are displayed in the text, of how they glorify God. Right, so the main sermon idea for this message is how does a relationship with Jesus, glorify God. And we're going to see that through four different relationships here. 
So the first one is his, Jesus' relationship with the disciples. Right, Jesus' ministry has gone on for quite a period of time here, but we're going to really focus it on here on John chapter 11 and their response. The second relationship was with Mary and Martha. Right, There's so much pain and sorrow here. Pain and sorrow. We're going to see how Jesus interacts with them. The next one is with Lazarus. Right, Lazarus is dead, right? It's pretty much one-sided because Lazarus is dead, but we're going to take a look at that. And then we're looking at the religious leaders as well. So up to this point, Lazarus here, raising from the dead, has to be like the most climatic and most dramatic sign in this gospel, right? It's pretty much like the capstone of his ministry. But let's just do a quick recap of the previous six so far in the gospel of John, right? Of course, he's done many other ones, but so far, John has captured six previous ones, right? So the first one was in John 2, and this is when Jesus was at the wedding feast, right? And he turned the water into wine, right? So Jesus is the source of life. The next one was in John 4. Right? This is where he healed the official son. Right? Jesus wasn't even close to the boy when he healed him. Wasn't even close, but Jesus healed him. So Jesus is the master over distance. It doesn't matter how far. Then in John 5, he heals the lame man by the pool of Bethesda. Right? This man was, he couldn't walk for 38 years. Man, I'm 38. I've had my knee problems, but now I've been able to walk for 38 years. Right? So it doesn't matter about the time. Not at all. It doesn't matter about the time. Then in John 6, uh, Jesus feeding out the, the 5,000, right? They wanted to make him king because of the right, because they provided, because Jesus provided his physical needs, their physical needs. So what did Jesus say? That Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Then John 6, again, he walked on water. He stilled the storm. Just think of the power that nature has. Or just think of the waves, the typhoons and all of that. And Jesus is the master over it. Then in John 9, he heals the blind man from birth, right? It wasn't because of the sin that he had, or the sin of his parents, but he healed him from birth. Right? So again, what, we see the time. It doesn't matter. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So we see it doesn't matter to Jesus about the time, right? the distance, the conditions, because Jesus is life. He has the power over death, and that's really what we're going to see here today, the power over death. And he restores life, and he resurrects life. He restores our lives, our rebel broken hearts, because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we can give him the glory and to him alone. So let's look at the text for building up the situation and see how the disciples reacted. So let's start in verse 4. So the messenger came to Jesus already, told him that Lazarus was six, and then we pick it up here in verse 4. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Let's just look at this first sentence here. Right, from like a worldly mindset, this is super hopeful, Right? Super hopeful. Lazarus was ill, but he's not going to lead to death, right? Just in my mind, even like Mary and Martha's, like, all right, he's not going to die. He'll be okay. And then from a disciple standpoint, too, it was like, all right, you healed the official son before, right? Time or distance doesn't matter. Distance doesn't matter. Did you just heal him right then? Like, did you, did you just do it? Like, as the messenger, maybe like, do I need to do anything? Like, what should I tell Mary and Martha? Like, what, what, like, what should we do? Like, do I need to do anything? Or did you just, did you just raise him from the dead? Or, I mean, sorry. Did you just heal him? Just heal him. All right, so after that, I'll just kind of tune out because it's like, all right, he's going to be okay. It's no worries. No worries. But then let's look at the second sentence here. It said, it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Man, so what a statement. The Son of God may be glorified through it. So whatever Jesus was going to do, it was going to continue to point to Jesus being the Son of God. In John 9, 3, Jesus said something similar. And this is when he gave the blind man sight. 
that the works of God might be displayed in him. So Jesus heals the man's sight. The work that Jesus did displayed, displayed the works of the Father, the Father, by giving him sight, because Jesus is the light of the world. I really like this quote by Spurgeon. It says, We should have said that this sickness was unto death, but ultimately to the glory of God. But he who sees the end from the beginning streaks with a grandeur of a style which could not be imitated by us. So the Lord speaks of things not as they seem to be, nor even as they are in the present moment, but as they shall be in the long run. We are always so in the moment, right? We don't look at the long term. It's always about like, how do I feel right now? Because this will then affect my attitude and my relationships. So what do we do when somebody is sick, right? Somebody's back home sick, what do we do? We go right away, right? We fill out those emergency leave forms, right? And we get on the plane and go. But let's look here at verse 6. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Two days longer. So he deliberately stayed two days longer. Right? Doesn't that, it, that seems strange that Jesus didn't immediately act upon this, this great need. He loved them, so he stayed. But he was going to bring glory to God by staying. He trusted his father because he knew that this mighty work was going to take place, right? And this delay was probably, had to be so confusing for the disciples. Like, why didn't you just heal him right then, right? And then with Mary and Martha, probably just so agonizing, right? Their brother was super sick, right, in order for them to ask Jesus. But I think it was just the messenger, right? Lazarus was probably already dead by the time the messenger got there. So it took about the messenger about a day to travel there. Jesus, right, stayed two days longer. Then it took about another day for the disciples and, and Jesus to give to him. So Jesus was probably already dead because we looked when Heather read the text there. Now Lazarus was in the tomb for four days. But through his actions, Jesus demonstrated that his delays were not denials. Because he doesn't do anything in a hurry. He takes his time, he listens to a father, and he obeys his father. But what do we do, right? We hurry, we do what we want, we look forward to the next assignment, retirement. Man, like we are not, we're just not content with where we are. So far in the Gospel of John, there has been three times when someone dear to Jesus asked him, asked him to do something, right? The first one was at the wedding feast. The second one was Jesus, his brothers, almost like calling him out. But Jesus responded in the same way, that my time has not yet fully come. It's not yet fully come. Because with each three of these cases, Jesus responded in the same way. First, Jesus refused to grant the request. And then he fulfilled it after showing that he does things according to the timing and to the will of God, not man's. All right, so let's pick up the conversation here with the disciples in verse 7 and 8. So then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? All right, so Jesus could have raised Lazarus from the dead right there. It doesn't matter, right? Time, distance, that doesn't matter at all. Because traveling back through Judea was probably not the wisest idea. If you look back, I think it was like 20 verses there at the end of, end of chapter 10. Right? They had rocks in their hands. Right? They wanted to arrest him. But they were going to go back there again. All right, but Jesus always has the plan. He reveals the plan to his disciples when it was time for them to know the plan. And Jesus is their discipler. He is their teacher. And Jesus was the corrector when he needed to be and he led them by being that servant leader, and they followed Jesus. They followed him because they trusted him. All right, now Jesus responded then in verse 9 and 10. Let's pick it up here. Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in the day? 
If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. So there's 12 hours in a day. Jesus still had work to do. Right? The 12 hours were a figurative way of speaking of the allotted time by God the Father that this earthly, earthly work still had to be done. Because by the time would soon come when darkness would come. But it was by God's perfect design. Right? Jesus' earthly work was not done yet. But Jesus was emphasizing that as long as he was on earth, he is going to do God's will, even at this latest time in his ministry. And he would do it safely because it was not done yet. Then verse 11 here, quick. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. Right then the disciples' response here, they decided, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, just let him recover. Let him rest. Give him some NyQuil. Let him rest. Right? Like I said, that's what we do. Just let him sleep. He just needs to rest. But no, I love this here. Jesus' response. He told them plainly. Told them plainly. Right? I'm a very simple person. So this is like, it's like this is like so easy. Right? There's no confusion. It's not a parable where you need to try to, try to piece different things apart. Right? There's no confusion. Jesus told them plainly. It's like, you want to throw that picture up? Right? It's like a knife hand. Right? It's a knife handed. Knife handed in there. I know, you're, I'm sure you guys' kids obey you right away and listen to you at every moment. Right? But for me, sometimes I have to do like eyes. Eyes, listen, focus here. Focus on me. <laughs> right? What else has Jesus said plainly so far in these first, these first 11 chapters? Right? Jesus said there's four I am statements. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. And I am the good shepherd. Plainly. Super plainly. And then there's going to be one more here in a few verses. Uh, verse 25, it says, where I am the resurrection and the life. Plainly of who Jesus is. Right, then Thomas's response. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So Thomas probably didn't know how he was going to, Jesus was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Had no idea, but he trusted Jesus. He just trusted him and he wanted to follow him even on to death. Even on to death. So we see here that the disciples' relationship glorify God by following Jesus. They follow Jesus. All right, now let's look at Mary and Martha. So this is the first time that they've been mentioned in the Gospel of John here. First time. Mary, I think, was probably maybe a little bit more widely known because of the anointing of Jesus' feet, which will be in the next chapter. I think it also says it here in verse 2. Another story with Mary and Martha that maybe you guys are familiar with is uh, in Luke 10 where Jesus comes to them, and Mary sits you know, nicely at Jesus' feet and listens to Jesus. But then Martha, you know, being the busy bee, have to getting everything ready and so forth, right? That's a different sermon, whole in itself. But let's focus now, right, on the interaction, the conversation that Jesus had with Mary. Because you got to think, when Jesus was lost with them, he probably left them healthy, probably joyous, probably encouraged before Jesus left. Right, just like any relationship, like when we leave friends or family, we don't know what's going to change from this time to the next time. Because life happens from meeting to meeting. Because we went home this past summer, and just from this past six months, we had two nephews go off to college, where my sister-in-law had a baby, and my brother shaved his head and grew a beard. Right? The beard looks pretty sweet, too. It's, pretty, it's coming in good. Not Grant style yet, but I don't know if he'll do that. Right? But what do we see here? We just see Mary and Martha just consumed with sorrow and sadness because their brother died. Things happen in life that will bring sadness to our lives. Right? That doesn't mean 
that Christians can't be sad, that we can't, that we can't be emotional, but where there are mourners, where there are people who are sad, there needs to be comforters right along with them as well. Right? And it is almost like a duty that we owe to those that are in sorrow to mourn with them and to comfort them. And our mourning with them will be of some comfort to them. If you jump down to verse 19, it says, Many of the Jews had come to Mary and to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. They had people around them to mourn with them as well. Because when we are under heartache, we often forget the things that will bring comfort to us. Right? A lot of times we just isolate ourselves. We need to like, feel like we need to struggle in our pain all by ourselves. Or I need to get, get myself right before I'm able to go back into the world, right? Man, what's flawed thinking that is? Right? We need people to speak life into us, even when we're struggling. Many times even just being there is enough. I remember when my... Um, Excuse me. I remember when my grandpa passed away. It was almost 13 years ago. I think next week will actually be 13 years. Um, I was stationed down in Florida at the time, and uh, my dad called me in the middle of the day, which is kind of weird because typically they call me like on the weekend or at night, and it's typically them always together, like on speakerphone. Um, so I was at work. My dad's like gives me a call. He's like, Darren, you have a moment. It's like so I anticipate right. Obviously something's up. He's like, Grandpa Stroming passed away. Would you like to come home? I'm like, of course, I'll come home, of course. So within a couple of days, I'm able to get home. Most of my, um, my family members already went up north, like cousins, aunts and uncles and stuff like that. Up north, which I mean, like, they owned an old Boy Scout camp. They had like a lodge like, with cooking and stuff like that, and then three like, sleeping cabins. Then they had a, like, an outhouse next to the woods. Right? Like, there was very minimal plumbing there. But then they also built a house with actual showers and stuff like that, sweet. Um, um, but that was when they retired. So that's typically where they all went up. So when I flew in, so this is northern Minnesota, right, in January, so it's cold, super-duper cold. I remember that for sure. Um, so my little brother picks me up and his wife and two kids. We start driving up north, up north. That's what we call it, or the cabins. Right? At first, we start just nice, easy conversations. I was dating Tracy at the time, so I'm sure there was a lot of conversations about that. Um, but then as soon as we start getting a little bit closer, Close to up north to the cabins, right? Emotions start getting a little heavier. You know, conversations start slowing down a little bit. As soon as we hit, I guess, the driveway, which is pretty much just a long dirt logging road, right? It's, it's ice because it's northern Minnesota. Right? We hit that, it's like, then it's just silence. Because any word that you would speak would just leave you to tears. All right, so we, we get outside, crunch, 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 you know, logging up in the snow. We open the door, we just see my grandmother. Grandma sitting there at the kitchen table talking, talking to my aunts and uncles. And she just comes up, and she just gives us this big hug. Right? Of course, we are just sobbing at this time. Right? It took us a few moments to kind of you know, get our emotions and check a little bit. And we all sit down. We start thinking about the wonderful things that, about Grandpa and just telling stories. And then, like, another family member comes in. And uh, the same thing, right? Grandma goes up there and just gives him a big hug. Jesus is there. He's there for our struggles. During our struggles, during your trials, Jesus is there. Believe that he is there. Believe that he is there. I've heard so many times from people that before I come back to church, I, you know, I need to get right with God. I need to do better. I need to be better. Right, but Jesus meets us right where we are. In our brokenness, our rebel hearts, and Jesus is intentional. He is intentional with us. We can trust and believe in Jesus. Verse 25 here, it says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And then in 26, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus, we can trust and believe in Jesus because he is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the one that resurrects our dead, lifeless bodies to be united with him. So with this statement, Jesus moved Martha from the abstract belief that the resurrection will take place on the last day to like a personalized belief, a personalized one. Because him alone is the one who can raise the dead, right? So no resurrection or eternal life exists outside of the Son of God. There's no barrier either, right? No time, no distance. There's no barrier to Jesus because he is the resurrection and the life. But looking back to what Jesus told the messenger, right, this illness does not lead to death. So I would have thought the same thing as Mary and Martha as well. Same thing. That Jesus was talking about eternal life, which he is, but he's also talking about that personal belief in Jesus, knowing what he was, because he knew what he was about to do. All right, so we also see that in this relationship that Jesus cares about the sorrow and the pain that sin causes, which is leading to death. But in verse 30, 33 here, it's just a little bit different. Let's look at this. But when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit, in the spirit, and he greatly troubled. So when, when Jesus here was deeply moved in the spirit, or in some versions it says groaned in the spirit, this phrase here does not mean that Jesus was deeply touched or moved with sympathy at the sight of the crying. Because in the Greek, groan almost means like a more anger or just outrage. Jesus was most likely angered at the emotional grief of the people because it revealed their unbelief, their unbelief in the resurrection and the temporary just nature of death. Like they were acting like there's no hope. But Darren, you just said, right? I just said that it's okay to be sad. 100% yes. Right? If your belief is in Jesus Christ, right? For here, this group here, this group here is acting in denial of the promise of the resurrection. And Jesus here was also outraged just at the pain and sorrow and death that sin brought into humanity. Brought into humanity. And then we see here Jesus wept. To the mind of the Greeks, the primary characteristic of God was apathia, with its just an inability to feel any emotion whatsoever. The Greeks believed in an isolated, a passionless, a compassionless God. Right? That isn't the God of the Bible that we have seen. That isn't the Jesus here that we've seen in the Gospel of John. Right, right here in this, verse, this short little verse, it says, right, Jesus wept. And it's shown that Jesus was truly man. There may be no sin or shame in tears. Jesus was acquitted with grief. Jesus was not ashamed of his humanity. Jesus identified with others in the sorrow. And Jesus, he loves people. He loves people. So we see here, Mary and Martha's relationship glorify God by believing and trusting in Jesus, in Jesus alone. All right, so let's look at Lazarus here. So this relationship, right, Lazarus is dead. It's pretty much one-sided. So we don't know much about it beforehand. But we can look briefly in verse 3, where it says, Lord, he whom you love is ill. So Mary and Martha didn't say who we love is ill, but who you love is ill. Right? And obviously they had a pretty close enough relationship to bring their need to Jesus. Then if you look back as well, I believe in verse 15, when Jesus was talking to his disciples, Right, so the resurrection of Lazarus was designed to strengthen his disciples' faith in him as the Messiah, as the Son of God in the face of the strong Jewish rejection. Right, this can also give us strength, because what do we see here? We see Jesus at work. He is working. He is doing the work of the Father. 
And the prayer Jesus said before the raising him, let's look at that quick in verse 41. So they took him away, sorry, so they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his voice, lifted up his eyes and said, and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me, that you sent me. So this prayer was not a petition, but, a, but it, was a, it was a thanksgiving to the Father. Right? So for the reason for this miracle was to authenticate his claim to be the Messiah King. He's done it so many times, so many times. But we can see it here specifically, the him having the power over death. All right, so yes, this relationship is one-sided. Jesus took a rotting corpse. It was in the tomb for four days. Four days. Right, then how did he do it? Right, did he do CPR, what, 30 compressions and two rescue breaths? No, did he, did he touch him at all? No, he just spoke. He just spoke as if Lazarus was alive. That's it. Just spoke. In Romans 4, 17, the end of it here, it says, Who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did? The power over death. Power over death. And then just like Lazarus, Jesus took our hearts of stone and gave us life because he is the source of life. He has that power over death. Because it's only through him, through Jesus, that we can be saved, right? It's not the amount of works that we do, but what Jesus has done. And this is just a preview over the power of death that Jesus will be fully displayed in the final resurrection when all the dead hear the voice of the Son of God and live. And live. My son Jack asked a pretty funny question when we were going over this before. He's like, Dad, you think Lazarus took a bath after he got out of the tomb because he was in the tomb for four days? <laughs> yeah? Right? So four days, that's quite a bit. Right? And it said that has probably an odor there. I was like, Jack, what do you think? He's like, I think so. Four days is a pretty long time to not take a bath. Boys get pretty stinky, right? <laughs> I'm shy, right? Four days. But you think about that too. When Jesus resurrects our hearts, makes us white as snow, so often we still go back to our sin. We still go back to it, right? A lot of times we hold on to this sin. We need to let it go at the foot of the cross because Jesus paid it all. Repent and turn to him. Let me see here, when Lazarus walked out, he still had his grave garments on because Lazarus was going to die again. He was going to die, so he was going to need them again. But what did we see with Jesus when he left the tomb? He left his grave clothes there. He was never going to need them again. He has the power over death. Power over death. So we see here that Jesus resurrects our broken relationship and gives us hope. Because through Jesus, our hope is restored. Our hope is restored. So there's two reactions, right? Some of the Jews saw what Jesus did, saw Lazarus being raised from the dead, right? And they believed, right? Their reason for sadness has gone away. But then there's the other side that went to the religious leaders, to the Pharisees, right? So the words and works that Jesus have divided humanity between those who believe and then those who rejected. Because last week was about the words, right? I'm the good shepherd, I'm the gate. And this week is about the works of what Jesus did by laser, raising Lazarus from the dead. Right. The religious leaders, they have seen so many different times, right? They've heard about what Jesus has did and authenticated his claim to be the Messiah King. As Jesus claimed, his works did, the, did bear witness of the Father. 
And they saw that Jesus is a true, but still wanted to hold on to their worldly passions. Let's jump down, down to uh, verse 48 here. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. And they wanted to hold on to their status. Like, they had it good. Right? People put them up on a pedestal. Right? Everybody went to them for their trust, for their guidance and for their truth. Because right, they thought they had control over things. But if they just got rid of this one, this one problem, right, then life would go back to normal. But, but God had a way, way bigger plan. And they were, they're obviously they were a part of it here. But God was setting up. If you remember in the Old Testament in Isaiah 53, 3, it says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquitted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. This was God's plan. God had this perfect plan all along, all along. If we look down in verse 54, it says, Then Jesus was no longer able to walk openly among the Jews. God's perfect plan. Let's jump back quick just to verse 50. It says, Nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. So his death was a death for others, a death for others. Right. We should not overlook that. This way of putting it means a substitutionary death. It was for others. Right. So either the nation dies or Jesus dies. Jesus paid the penalty that we deserve because of sin. We deserve that penalty, but Jesus did it on the cross. On the cross. Then in verse 52, let's jump down there. There's another thing as well that I'd like to point out. It says, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So in the death of Jesus is salvation of the Jewish nation. Right? This death would be the means of gathering together the children of God, so wherever they are scattered. So in Jesus, we are a family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ. How awesome is that? So how did this relationship glorify God? We see that some of them submitted, it, submitted and some of those did not. So, so a relation that submits to God glorifies God. Submits to Jesus as king glorifies God. So how can our relationship with Jesus glorify God? I brought up my grandpa a couple of times. I'm not, not saying he was a perfect man by any means, and he'd be the first one to say it as well. But he did set a pretty good example. Right? He submitted to Jesus being fully God. He put his hope in him alone for his salvation. He trusted and believed that Jesus is the Savior of this world, and he followed Jesus. He followed Jesus. So Pillar family, let me ask you this. How is your relationship with Jesus this morning? Is it like the religious leaders, those Pharisees, right? We've, we've seen so many times in the text of who the Son of God truly is, right? Being the source of life, the restorer life. He resurrected life. But the, you still seek the comforts of this world. You're running in your rebellion. Stop running. Stop running and confess your sins and the need for him. Is your relationship like Lazarus? Your hope. You don't know where to put your hope. Maybe your hope could be lost in this world. Or maybe you are, do put your hope in, hope in Jesus. You do understand maybe that you are a sinner. You understand the concept of sin. And Jesus had pulled you, but Jesus had pulled you out of the darkness, out of that tomb. Jesus pulled you out of, into the light. Put your hope in Jesus. It is like, is it like Mary and Martha? Like Mary and Martha, right? Where this weight of the world has just got you beat down. Where the consequences of sin are just... It's just 
are just frustrating in you. Right? There, maybe you're just in a huge, massive trial, and you just don't know where to turn to. You don't know where to go. Put your faith and belief in Jesus. He will strengthen you through this time. Seek others around you to give you that comfort. Trust and believe that Jesus is there. But maybe it is like the disciples, right? You are following Jesus, right? Seeking him in your life. Then let's proclaim this wonderful good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Right? And let's own it. Let's just not live it, but let's own it and live it out. So let's strengthen our relationship with Jesus today. Now the worship team is going to come back up here. And let's praise God for what he has done this morning. Thank you.